I want you to think for a moment about somebody that you trust. Somebody whose opinion you generally respect. Uh, someone who you're probably largely on the same page with. You see eye to eye on a lot of things. How would you respond to that person if one day they said something to you that you totally disagreed with? I mean, the kind of thing that if anybody else said it, you would just dismiss it out of hand. You wouldn't even listen to it. Right? Maybe it's something about the climate or something about gun laws or something about the age of the earth or whatever it might be. If that person whom you generally trust, generally see eye to eye with, says something like that, that seems totally unexpected and that you would generally not even think twice about, if that person said it, wouldn't you at least think about it? Wouldn't you at least give them a hearing? After all, there's somebody whose opinion you've respected in the past. They've got a lot of credibility built up with you. Right? Wouldn't you at least hear them out? If so, what is it that makes you willing to listen to that person when you wouldn't be willing to listen to anybody else on that subject? For me, at least two reasons come to mind. First is the person himself. Right? This is somebody that I know, that I respect, that I've you know, talk things out with that I, I know I generally agree with, if he holds this opinion that seems crazy to me at first, maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there's something I haven't considered. Maybe he's got an angle on this that I haven't looked at this thing from. And the second reason that I'm willing to hear that person out is because their opinions, their thoughts, their ideas have been generally sound in the past. I've learned from them. I've grown through conversation with them. So I'm willing to let them challenge my thoughts, challenge my thinking, challenge my opinions. Now what happens when it's the Bible that says something that you're inclined to disagree with. Now, I know we all know we're not supposed to disagree with the Bible, right? So your knee-jerk reaction might be, well, that would never happen. But here's what I'm talking about. Sometimes we read things in the Bible that we either think, whoa, that, I don't know what I think about that. That seems crazy. Or we read it and we know we're supposed to agree with it but we also sort of subconsciously know we're not going to do it. I'm not going to do that. Right? There are things in the Bible that can shock us, surprise us, challenge us. If every time you sat down the Bible, with the Bible and read it, and everything you read you agreed with 100%, and you did it 100%, you wouldn't be you, you would be Jesus. Okay, let's just be honest about that. So there are things in the Bible that challenge us, 
and that we don't always, we're not always immediately on board with, if we're honest, right? We want to get there. How do we get there? We're going to see this morning in John chapter 6, Jesus said some things that even people who were following him had trouble swallowing. Some of them couldn't take it. Some of them wouldn't listen to it anymore. But some of them did. Some of them stuck it out. We're going to look at what it was that Jesus said that was so challenging, maybe even shocking to some of his followers. How some of them responded and why we don't want to respond like them. And then how some others responded and how and why we should aim to respond like them. Because, again, to be honest, there are some things that Jesus said that are hard. It's not all easy. Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. That's not easy. Jesus tells us to deny ourselves and follow him. That's not easy. So let's look at what Jesus says in John chapter 6. And what it was that was so hard that many people who have been following Jesus up to this point decided they could follow him no longer. We're picking it up in verse 52 of John chapter 6. It says, The Jews then disputed among among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, 
the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now, most of this chapter so far has been about bread in one way or another. Jesus fed the 5,000. He had five loaves of bread and two fish. He gave thanks and the bread was multiplied so that not only did everybody have enough to eat, but there were even 12 baskets full of leftovers. Then Jesus began to tell the people that he is the true bread, the bread, the true bread that's come down from heaven, the bread of, of heaven that gives life. And he told them that they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood or they will not have life. And that his flesh he's giving for the life of the world. Now, Many of those who are around Jesus at that moment, they have a question that you might have as well. Verse 52. How? How can that happen? How can he do this? How are we supposed to eat your flesh and drink your blood? How are you going to give those things to us? And how are they going to give eternal life? How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they want to know. That's a reasonable question. It's an unexpected way to talk. Nobody really likes to talk about eating flesh and drinking blood. It's unsettling. It's disturbing. Right? Even when Jesus says it. If you stop to think about it, it's not the way you would probably want to talk yourself to somebody else. You know, it's, when, you're talking, when you're sharing the gospel, this is not probably the first way you talk about what it means to believe in Jesus. You've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Neighbors and friends and co-workers look at you like you're crazy. What are you talking about? So they were disputing. They were confused. They were trying to figure this out. How can Jesus do this? What are they talking about? Jesus begins to explain a little bit further the significance of this in verse 53 when he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. So Jesus doubles down. He's not backing off of this language. He's not even really explaining how He's using the language yet. He's just saying, this is absolutely necessary for you. If you want to have life, real life, eternal life, life with God, you have to do this. You have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Then he says, verse 54, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So if you do eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life, and you will experience the resurrection. You will be raised On the last day, because, verse 55, my flesh, Jesus says, is true food, and my blood is true drink. Okay, so it's necessary, it's vital, it's important. This is is how we come to be saved, to have life with God, to experience resurrection on the day of judgment. How does this work? Why is he using this language? What does it mean? 
Well, verse 56, he begins to explain. He says, For whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. What does that mean? Jesus is using this language of eating and drinking to talk about how we become united to Christ, how we become joined to Christ. Because we need to be restored to fellowship with God, right? And Jesus is God in the flesh, so how do we get connected to Jesus? How are we restored to fellowship with Jesus? How are we united to Him? Jesus says it comes through eating His flesh and drinking His blood. When we do that, we abide in Him. We're united to Him. We're connected to Him. Later in John 15, he's going to talk about how he's the vine and we are the branches and that we are supposed to abide in him. We have to stay connected. If we don't abide in him, we can't bear fruit because the branches need the nourishment that comes from the vine to flow through them in order to produce fruit. In order to have life, Jesus is saying, you have to get that from me. And the way you get that from me is by eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Verse 57, he says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. Right? If you eat physical bread, right, that helps sustain your physical life. If you want spiritual life, if you want eternal life, you need to eat the living bread, the heavenly bread. The flesh of Jesus that he gives to give life to the world. That's what he says in verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So it's like and unlike the bread that you're used to. The bread that you're used to can sustain your life for a little while, but eventually you're still going to die. Even if you go back and eat the manna from the Old Testament, special bread that God rained down from heaven, still those who ate that bread died. This bread I'm talking about, Jesus says, is different. It will give you eternal life. Now, even after all that, we still have the question, how can we do this? Why are you using this language of eating and drinking? What are you talking about? Well, eating and drinking are actions, right? They're things you have to do. You can't just talk about eating and your hunger be satisfied, right? You can't just talk about drinking and then all of a sudden not be thirsty anymore. Eating and drinking requires participation. You have to be involved. You have to be engaged, When you eat and drink something, you become united with it for a time. It becomes part of you. And it nourishes you. It's not enough to sit at the table, read the menu, and talk about how good the food is. You have to eat it. Or it's not going to do you any good. In the same way, Jesus is saying, it is not enough to watch me do miracles and listen to me teach and follow me around. If you want what I came to give, you have to take me in. You have to engage with me. You have to participate with me. You have to receive me. This is a practical 
action you have to take. Believing in Jesus, receiving Jesus, is not just talking about Jesus. It's not just watching Jesus. It's embracing Jesus. That's what he is using this language to communicate. You have to take him in wholeheartedly. Embrace him, believe him, entrust yourself to him. That's what the Bible is calling you to when it calls all people to repent and believe in Jesus. It's not just saying, I want you to think about Jesus. It's not just saying, I want you to read about Jesus. It's not just saying, be around people who talk about Jesus. It's saying, give yourself up to Jesus. Entrust yourself to Jesus. Embrace Jesus. Welcome Him fully into your life so that He can nourish you and give you life. He does you no good at arm's length. Food and drink don't do you any good at arm's length. You have to take them in. That's what Jesus is saying about Himself. Now, How do the people respond to this? Verse 60, when many of his disciples, and these are people who are following Jesus, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? They said, I don't don't know who can stick around for this kind of stuff. What's so hard about what Jesus is saying here? What are they stumbling over? What is it that they can't stomach? I think it's one of two things, maybe both. It may simply be the language that Jesus is using. I think some of them might just think, I can't get past this flesh and blood thing you keep talking about. I mean, it's just weird and gross and disturbing and I I mean we're not supposed to eat blood right we're not supposed to eat blood with the flesh in it that's Old Testament law I mean how are you talking about eating your flesh and drinking your blood so I think for some people it may have just been they couldn't get past the way Jesus was saying what he was saying but It's also possible that they understood what that language meant and it was what he was communicating they couldn't stomach. They understood that he was saying the only way to have life was through him. And they couldn't believe it. They couldn't stomach it. Remember earlier in the chapter they were saying, who is this guy who claims to be the bread that's come down from heaven? We know his parents. He's from around here. Isn't he just like us? I mean, yeah, obviously he can do some things we can't do. But at the end of the day, he's just a man like us, right? Well, they were wrong. But maybe that's what was so hard for them. They could accept that he was a man like Moses, through whom God could do some amazing things, maybe even provide them some free bread for a while. 
But they could not accept that Jesus was the bread himself, that he was God in the flesh. And when they understood that Jesus was saying, I am the life that you're seeking, or ought to be seeking, the only way that you can have life and life that lasts and life with God is by taking me in. Now, I think Jesus responds to that second problem. That they understand what he's saying about himself, but they can't stomach it. They don't believe it. They don't think he's anything more than another man. And the reason why I think Jesus is responding to that objection is because in verse 62, he's, well, at the end of verse 61, he says, Do you take offense at this? <clears throat> And then in verse 62, he says, Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, would it clear things up for you if you had indisputable proof of who I really am? You think you know where I came from. You think I came from Joseph and Mary. I didn't. I didn't come from Joseph. I came from Mary, but conceived by the Holy Spirit, because I came down from heaven. What if you saw me ascending back into heaven where I came from? Then would it be so hard to believe that eternal life comes only from me? If you could see and know that I am God in the flesh? You see, you cannot embrace all of Jesus' words unless you embrace who Jesus is. Those two things go together. You can, you can like some of Jesus' words without embracing who Jesus is. You can kind of pick and choose. I like this. I don't like that. I believe this. I'm, I'm not going to listen to that. But in order for you to embrace everything Jesus says, you have to believe everything about who Jesus is. Because if he is just a man, a great man, a good man, a prophet, a man who can do wonders and signs and miracles even, if that's as far as you're willing to go in your beliefs about Jesus, there are going to be some things that Jesus says that you won't be able to stomach. Like he's going to be sitting on the throne of judgment on the last day. If he's not God, you're not going to be able to stomach that. To claim that there is no way to have life apart from Him? Only God can make a claim by, like that and be speaking the truth. If He's not God, there's no reason to listen to Him. Because if He's not God, He's saying things that are absolutely outrageous. The only reason we don't believe they are outrageous is because we believe that He's God. That makes all the difference. These people don't believe that. That's why they can't listen. Jesus says in verse 64, There are some of you 
who do not believe. Right? And he says, for, it says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So he knows that they don't believe. And verse 65, he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Now, for you, the hard saying might not be, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. For you, the hard saying might be, no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. Jesus is saying, the reason you don't believe me is because the Father hasn't drawn you. You can't believe until the Father draws you. And if He does draw you, I'll receive you and I'll raise you up on the last day. But no one can come to me unless He receives that gift from the Father. And that's why you don't believe. That can be kind of hard to swallow because we can't understand everything about how that works. But Jesus said it. right? He said it back in verse 44 too. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So what do we do when Jesus says things that we say, I don't don't know what to do with that. I I don't understand that. That seems hard. Uh, It seems contrary to what I would expect him to say. I mean, don't you think some of the Jews were sitting there thinking, How can you talk about eating flesh and drinking blood after everything Moses told us about not eating flesh with the blood in it and all those kinds of... I don't even understand why you're talking like this. What do we do when Jesus or anyone in the Bible speaks either in ways or about things that we have a hard time understanding or receiving or believing or embracing? What do we do? But we don't want to respond like those disciples who left Jesus. Verse 66 says, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They just said, that's it. I I can't take it. I don't believe it. I'm not listening to that anymore. I'm out of here. And Jesus didn't panic when that happened. He doesn't say, oh, wait, 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 wait. I'll say something different. I'll, I'll try to change it up. He's not worried about that. He basically just told us a line or two ago that he knew this was coming. Right? But he does say something to the twelve. Verse 67. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Everybody else is leaving. You guys want to go? I'm not twisting your arm to keep you here. Do you want to leave? And Peter's words in response to that question from Jesus are words that I would love for all of us to have just emblazoned on our hearts, right? These are the words you need for every moment when you encounter something in the Bible you don't know what to do with. You don't know how to respond to. You're not sure yet that you understand it or you're not sure yet that you can really fully embrace it or believe it, you're struggling with it, you don't know what to do with it, what can you do, what can you say, how should you respond? Like Peter. 
Jesus says, do you want to leave? Do you want to go somewhere else? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? If we left you, where would we go from here? He says, you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Notice Peter does not say, I don't know what their problem is. Everything you said makes perfect sense to me. Super easy, super easy to understand, super easy to embrace. I don't know what their problem is. Peter doesn't say that. He seems to understand perfectly what the problem is. But here's what Peter knows. Peter knows that even if he doesn't understand it all, even if he doesn't get it all, he knows who Jesus is. I'm convinced. We've come to know. We believe that you are the Holy One of God. And because I believe that, I'm sticking around because I know I've got nowhere better to go. If I leave you because of something I don't like or don't understand, I'm not going to end up in a better place. Your words are the words that give life. You are the one who who is telling us how we can have eternal life. Nobody else is doing that. Nobody else can do that. And so even when you say things that are hard for me to swallow or hard for me to understand, I'm not going anywhere. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible to follow Jesus. Everything in the Bible doesn't have to be easy for you to believe in order for you to follow Jesus. There can be things in the Bible that you can say, you know what, I'm still trying to sort that out. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. I'm still trying to understand it. I'm still trying to figure out how that applies to my life, like what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't have that figured out yet. But I do know who Jesus is. I do believe Him. And I'm sticking with Him even when I have trouble with what He says. I'm not rejecting Him. I don't disagree with Him. I'm not saying he's wrong. But I am saying sometimes the things that he says, they're over my head, they're too deep, they're really hard. But I know that if I keep listening to them and I keep trusting him, I know the result is always going to be life. I know there's nowhere better for me to go. I know who I'm listening to. If you have a friend that you trust enough that if they said something that at first blush you thought was crazy and you would hear them out and you would listen and you would think and ponder what they said and and give them a hearing, how much more should we keep listening to Jesus when he says things that give us pause, that are hard to understand, hard to wrap our minds around? Because even our closest friends have failed us, disappointed us. Sometimes they do have crazy opinions that we do disagree with and we should disagree with. But not Jesus. He has the words of life.
because he is life. So whatever happens, whatever he says, whatever you encounter in the Bible, don't leave him. Where else would you go? You can follow him and still have questions. You can follow him and not have it all figured out. As long as you know who it is that you're following. Let's pray.